think he's frozen. Yeah, he's frozen. Hey, everyone. Welcome and thank you for joining us. Happy to be back for a podcast. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Here's my other impression. Hey, everyone. Welcome back and thank you for joining us. Great to be back for podcast 48. Hello, my friends. Thank you for joining us for the PebCAC podcast, a weekly information security show featuring some all-around good people. It is week eight of 2022. I'm Chris Louie, and congratulations to the Los Angeles Rams for winning the Super Bowl. I was cheering for the Bengals, but it was a good game until the end. With me, I have my co-host Brian Deach, who hates professional sports. Lies, I don't hate professional sports. I actually enjoy them. I just hate LeBron James and the Golden State Warriors, to be honest. But uh, going back to that, yeah, I know, boo, they suck. Um, <laughs> yeah, going back to, uh, you know, Cool Joe and the Bengals, I was rooting for them as well. But I'll tell you what, if you watch the, the end video where he gets sacked by Aaron Donald, if he had just like two more seconds, uh, Chase had actually shook Ramsey and had a clear line, like 10 yards between him and the next defender. Um, and he would have been off to the rodeo and it would have been a different story. And side note, um, according to our speaking notes here, Chris still thinks I am brain deech. So good job, Chris. <laughs> All right. Well, I blame Grammarly for not catching that one. And we have Glenn Medina, who bet on the New York Jets to win the Super Bowl and came up short on that one. Come on, man. Even folks in New York are betting on the New York Jets. Anyways, uh, hey, everyone. Welcome back, and thanks for joining us. Happy to be back for podcast number 48. I was able to watch the last three to four minutes of the Super Bowl and was probably more exciting part from what I heard. Uh, apparently, no one is really taking into account that the Rams have won because they're still talking about the halftime show more than anything else. So... Did you guys watch the halftime show? Was it great? Was it good? Any comments? I heard 50 Cent look like a buck 50 now, so you guys tell me. Yeah, he was looking more like Bizarre from from D12, man. When it came on, I'm like, oh, man, they're making fun of they're making fun of 50 Cent now? And then I was like, oh, wait, that's that's 50 Cent. So, yeah, more like a buck 50. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, so the joke was when you count inflation, his name should be $1 now. <laughs> Probably About 250 about 250 is what he's at now. <laughs> there you go, Brian. Well, no guests this week, just the three of us. I did book an awesome guest in two weeks, so be sure to stay tuned for that episode. Combined, we have decades of information security experience and are here not just to educate, but to entertain. We've got four awesome stories for you this week, so sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Today's topics were actually all submitted by our listeners, so thank you listeners for the suggestions. We hope you keep sending us your suggestions for topics to talk about on the podcast. Hey, so wait a minute. You're, we've got a guest coming on in two weeks. Can we give any indication so we can get put some hype into who we're going to have? Like, should we have our viewers guess? Should we do something special for those that are able to guess it right? What do you think, guys? Is it a puppy in a box? Hmm? You never know. Do we finally get some lawyers on the show that could tell us what we can and can't say? We'll mail you a bobcat if you guess right. Yeah. Which which uh, which NFT is going to make it to the top 10 for Brian? <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> That'll be your prize. Yeah, you get one of Brian's NFTs. There you go. <laughs> there you, go. you know, a, a bobcat in a mail is kind of like going to see the psychiatrist, right? Like, or therapist. And like they, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of this thing called like EMDR, but the goal is they, they're trying to tap into your brain, like where like memories, they kind of live in a box, right? 
and you don't want to necessarily go into that box because when you open up the box, it's just full of nightmares and your brain has been instructed to never open up that box. Uh, so when you go to see these therapists, you go in there and you leave shaking. You're like, oh my God, I had no idea. I completely forgot this traumatic event that happened to me, you know, as a kid. I strongly recommend it. <laughs> yeah, awesome. All right. I'm, I know what I'm mailing Brian now. A bobcat in a box. That's it. All right. For our opening topic, since it is timely, what was your guys' favorite Super Bowl commercial? For me, I like the one from Boston Dynamics. That's the robot company. And they had a commercial with the robots having a keg party with the security crew. It was actually a Sam Adams uh, beer commercial. Uh, it was both equally funny and terrifying that we're one step closer to Skynet and Judgment Day. I don't remember that particular one, to be honest with you. I may have gotten up to you know get a refill on the, uh, the Liquid Courage. But uh, my favorite one was the, the Dr. Evil one. I, I don't even know what they were. I don't even know what they were trying that to promote. That was a good one. Like it was a good yeah, throwback. Good. I kind of felt like, uh, you know, as a side yeah. note, like the, the halftime show was as good as the commercials. Like reminiscent of what it used to be, but it was really only enjoyable back in the '90s. So I don't know. I kind of felt like the whole thing was a letdown. So I think doc, the Doctor Evil one was a GM commercial, I believe. I think they were trying to promote that they're switching to electric cars and. Uh, w- I was actually a little bit sad when that, that one came on because of Vern Torrey, you know, the original Mini-Me, he's no longer with us, and uh, that's why they couldn't get him for the commercial, but it would have been nice to have him in there if he were still around. Yeah, how long ago did he pass? It was like 10 years, maybe? See. No, no, it was no. it was fairly recent, maybe like three or four years at the max. Okay. Yeah. He played a bunch of roles, right? I mean, he was in Willow. Was that yeah, him? Yeah, he was. He was like really popular on on Reddit. Yeah, like he had a he had a nice following. Yeah. The other commercial that I liked was the floating QR code. Remember, like the old school DVD player screensaver, and I read the analytics on that one, and it was actually a resounding uh, success for Coinbase. So even though it was a floating QR code, it was actually a Coinbase commercial. I think maybe the last one second of the commercial they showed the Coinbase logo. And their app went from 127 in the app store all the way up to number two most downloaded app. So, so many people scanned it, it crashed their website. So, I would say that was a resounding success and got everyone's curiosity. But the security professional side of me is terrified because of the rise of so-called crime, QR crime, where someone can easily mimic the commercial but put an evil QR code that takes you to a Coinbase phishing site. So, caveat emptor. Yeah, I watched that, and my only thought was the Office episode where they're watching the, the DVD logo like bouncing around, and they're like cheering because they're waiting for it when he had that pinnacle where it actually came in and hit the corner of it perfectly, <laughs> right at the corner. Yeah, yep. right at the corner. I was like waiting. I was like, "Oh, is it going to happen?" I'm like, "Oh, Coinbase, or Coinbase. All right, let's go." But I did not scan it. Did you guys scan? I did not. I I scanned it, but I used a. Uh, an isolated browser to actually access it just in case it was malicious wait wait wait! you use an isolated browser on your phone well i i got the url from my phone and then i sent it to my computer so i could throw it in an isolated browser gotcha smart move good sec ops there well obviously you didn't get to see any commercials because you came in at the last three to four minutes of the uh the super bowl there glenn all right i did yeah so it was uh 
tough weekend for me. But yeah, the not able. It's one of the first times I really didn't pay attention to football. But I heard it was really good. And like I said, I was able to catch the last three or four minutes. I thought it was pretty exciting seeing what the uh, 40, what they did to the, the Bengals did to the 49ers in the last three, four minutes of the game was exactly what happened to them. So, but I was rooting for the Bengals. To be honest. I think we all were, right? That's America's yeah. team now. So yeah, on, a, on a scale of one to, one to 10, how inebriated were you, Glenn? On Monday night, a pretty inebriated. <laughs> <laughs> I had a feeling. Yeah. 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 Still responsible though. You always enjoy responsibly. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. For our first story, this story was sent in by Tim D from California. A married couple was arrested and charged with allegedly attempting to launder, wait for it, 4.5 billion, so that's billion with a B, billion dollars in stolen Bitcoin from the 2016 hack gets against Bitfinex. We're going to call them Bitcoin Bonnie and Crypto Clyde of the 21st century. The U.S. Justice Department announced the arrest of Ilya Lichtenstein, 34, and his wife Heather Morgan, age 31, of the 4.5 billion in stolen Bitcoin from Bitfinex. Authorities were able to reclaim more than $3.6 billion. Now, Bitcoin was supposed to be the anonymous and untraceable magic internet money, but as we'll see, it's not so easy to launder $4.5 billion. The couple tried to launder part of the money by sending them to a dark market such as Alphabay and laundering it by mixing it with hundreds of other customer funds, and they also converted the Bitcoin to Monero, which is much more difficult to track. So, you know, if we've learned anything, right, it's that... uh... This is still a better love story than than Twilight. That's good. Two, they should have just done the NFT route. Like I keep telling people this. Like this is how you launder your your dirty Bitcoin. No one's listening. I just want to know where the other nine billion dollars are, or nine hundred million dollars, right? Where did that go? Um, I wrote it in here. So how much was it when they hijacked it in 2016? Because it wasn't worth $4.5 billion in, in 2016, right? You are correct. It was in, I don't remember the exact amount, but it, I think it might have been the hundreds of millions. It might have been like $300 million. It's probably one of the links. Someone will correct us. But yes, in in six years, the price of Bitcoin has skyrocketed. And that's why they were holding on to just so much money. Dang. Look, inflation. What are you going to do? Yeah. Unlike the real Bonnie and Clyde, though, these guys are still alive because Bonnie and Clyde died in, was it a gunfight, right? It was, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, though, they're they're still alive. They're awaiting their day in court. And the uh, infosec part of this story is Lichtenstein, he broke major OPSEC rules. And allegedly, he stored many of the private keys controlling these funds in a cloud storage wallet that made them easy to seize. And his wife Morgan flaunted her self-made wealth in a series of cringe-inducing rap videos on YouTube's and Forbes columns. So that might be where some of the $900 million went on these rap videos and Forbes interviews. Can we watch the videos? I am so interested all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. How could someone, how could he be so smart to be able to steal that much Bitcoin, but then so dumb? That you're going to try to further your rap career. So 
the married couple, they don't think they're the ones that actually stole the money. They somehow came into the money and were trying to launder it. So that's what they're being charged with laundering, not the actual theft of the money. So because they didn't pay taxes, this is what got them. So they, they literally found a USB drive and the private keys or the, the 24 uh, passphrases attached to it. And they're like, sweet, let's go. Yeah, so the US FBI obtained a search warrant for several cloud storage services and seized the wallets and their corresponding private keys. So the blockchain watchdog groups that have been watching these wallets from that contain these stolen currency saw all this money flow into a single wallet. Presumably, this wallet is controlled by the Justice Department. So they just got $3.6 billion in crypto. So where does this money go back to? So that's going to be a lengthy court battle. So it's, 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 they're going to hold on to it because it's evidence in the trial. Yeah. After the trial, I think the victims of Bitfinex can file you know, their grievances or file to get their money back. And presumably it'll probably go back to the exchange who will then have to make their, their customers whole. Yeah. Could you imagine getting your money back going, hey, wait a minute. What about the, up, the uptick in cost from where I had my investment into where it should have been today? Right? So. That's what's happening with Mt. Gox right now. So if you remember Mt. Gox, they went under because uh, of the major hack. And now they're actually giving people their money back. And they're giving it back to them in the form of Bitcoin. So this this actual hack is like the ultimate hodl that you are forced to hodl for the last six years. And now your money has gone up like tenfold. Yeah. That's like the, that's the real life, the best savings account you can do. I recommend it to everybody. Just give me your Bitcoin. <laughs> we'll take care of it. You know, I wonder if uh, what's the the legal defense going to be for Bitcoin Bonnie and Crypto Clyde here? Like, yeah, we were just babysitting for some people and they paid us in in crypto. Like, if they're gonna if they're gonna play that card, they, they might as well come off really dumb. If you've watched the show, it's gonna be it wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> the shaggy defense. <laughs> That's what it's gonna be. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Well, another OPSEC fail and part of where that $900 million went was that the couple bought Walmart gift cards online using the stolen Bitcoin and authorities were able to trace those Walmart purchases to online orders shipped to their home address. So, Guys, yeah. <laughs> like, what the heck, man? There's no <laughs> way. The world's dumbest criminals this is what we're going to see them on. I, I'm going to tell you something right now, right? So I, I just got this interesting text. And I said, who's this? And it said it was the CEO of my current company. I said, give me five minutes. And I called the number back. I called my CEO. And I, I said, hey, did you call? And he was like, no. I go, well, okay. That's kind of odd because I got this text saying that you needed to chat with me. And then he goes, oh, man, there's this thing going around right now. It's like a, you just got fish. And I'm like, I'm glad I called you or I had the nerves to call the CEO, right? Could you imagine you guys calling Jay and saying, hey, you wanted to chat with me, right? But like I said, a small enough company, I was able to call him. I'm like, oh, man, the next thing I know, I get a text back from that number that I said, I'll call you back in five. It says, no, don't call. But do you have access to Apple cards? And I'm like, oh, I know I just got fish now, right? It's like, holy <laughs> crap. So, really? yeah. Glenn, we, we know you're lying because I know for sure that your CEO didn't be like, hey, Glenn. He was like, number one, who the hell are you? <laughs> like, he was like, what? Who? <laughs> and there's no way I would ever call you. Like, hang up now. Well, it's a good thing the company only has 30, 30 folks in the U.S. So, yes, I do know him because oh. we were sitting at the piano bar on Thursday night having a great time in Vegas. Nice. Yeah. My kind of guy. Yeah, that's, that's that's part nice. of the security culture, too. It's like 
employees should not be afraid to call their CEO and say, was this you before they get fished? And I think that's what a lot of the <laughs> criminals out there, like they, they prey on that, that fear, like who's going to pick up the phone and call their CEO. But the security culture should support that, like pick up the phone and say, was this you before you wire $300 million overseas? Yeah. So a Fun twist in the story is is going back to the crypto story. So Bitfinex forced every one of their users to share the loss, and that equated to everybody. Every single one of their customers took a 36% haircut and had those funds removed from their wallet, whether they were affected by the hack or not. And that third, So let's say you had $100,000 in an account. So just overnight, it went from 100000 to 740000 just overnight. And that... 36% haircut was replaced with what they called a loss token, which could be exchanged for the missing Bitcoin if it were ever recovered. But at that time, no one ever thought that money would ever make it back. In 2017, Bitfinex stopped supporting U.S. customers and forced all those U.S. customers to sell those loss tokens at a huge loss to their foreign customers. So, you know, if those U.S. customers were able to hodl those tokens, they may have been made whole with this recovery and then some. But since the company forced those U.S. customers to sell, uh, that that just puts additional insult to injury. Ouch. That's crazy. Th- this is why crypto is weird to and foreign to many folks, right? Just, just because of that, what you just talked about. It's like, I can take a haircut. I mean, could you imagine if you had 100000 in the bank and the bank got robbed tomorrow and then all of a sudden they told you, well, today you only have, what is it, $64,000. You'd be up in you'd be in an uproar, right? So you must have missed what was going on in Cyprus during the financial crisis. They did exactly that. Every savings account in the country of Cyprus got raided because the country was running out of money, and that's actually what sent Bitcoin from then thirty dollars up to two hundred dollars. Was because people were saying, "Hey, that's messed up. I'm going to switch my Cyprus money into Bitcoin. That way, you can't just reach into my bank account and steal like ten percent of my money." So it's it's what you're telling me though it's not safe anywhere though right Chris because happened it's, to that Phoenix it's safe if you have it in cold storage that's that's what I keep mm. telling people it's only safe if you control the keys yeah I'd just be more surprised if I had sixty six hundred and forty thousand dollars in my account but <laughs> this is great <laughs> you guys hear the news. <laughs> Again, that's me. Like I'm, you said, a thirty six percent hit, right? Yeah. Off of a uh, off of a hundred grand, or off of a million, wouldn't be seven forty. What did you say earlier? I think it says if you had a million dollars and you took off thirty six percent, you should be left with six six hundred forty k. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I thought you said like seven something else. I'm like, wait a second. I probably did. I, I hate to stereotype people here, head. but you should really know your math, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Our second story was sent in by Tim L. from California in response to a Microsoft Y22K story. This problem is so stupid, I would say it's even more harebrained than Microsoft's exchange bug. For those of you who, those of you who did not listen to episode 42, Microsoft introduced a bug in Microsoft Exchange, their email software platform, on January 1st, 2022, because of the way they format their dates for their antivirus signatures. Instead of fixing the problem, Microsoft is now issuing updates with the date of December 33rd, 2021 to work around the issue. Well, the car manufacturer Honda 
did something similar with their cars that have GPS navigation systems in them. It turns out that when Honda designed their nav systems back in 2002, they used a binary number to represent the week number. So just like when we introduced the podcast, this is week 8 of 2022. The week would go from 0 to 1024, and after 1024 weeks, the head units would roll over back to week 0. So that means on January 1st, 2022, Honda's clocks would show a random time on May 19th, 2002. There's no known fix for this issue, and you cannot manually set the time on these GPS units since they sync their time with the GPS satellites. GPS like Unix and Linux use epoch time, which counts up from the a certain starting date. So the time being sent to these units is correct, but Honda did not allocate enough memory to account for the year 2022 and beyond. So honestly, it's not really their fault, right? It's like a, it's a gap in communications. They're like, hey, we got to put in this head unit. We got to be smart about it. They're like, yeah, we'll go into like 2022 because we're not going to make a vehicle reliable enough to last that wrong, right? Like that's insane. <laughs> this is, you know, the cars are disposable. You know, in seven years, they'll be all gone. And it's then they'll be these are, you know, these amazing cars. And plus, like back in the day, if you can get a Honda with GPS or you can just get more of a luxury car with GPS, like who, how many cars actually out there have that? It's got to be a really small percentage. Well, that, but that has to go back to, I think, was it uh, car Apple CarPlay or Android Auto started in 2017 being pervasive like pretty much installed on every on, on most of the cars right as a kind of de facto unit and then if you go back beyond that because i had a 2015 that you know you i bought the gps for being simply because i didn't want to have to do it on my phone you know while i'm while i'm trying to take a call or something like that so i mean it, it this could theoretically go all the way up to 2014 15 where you had your own gps unit inside the car so as long as, I mean, if, if this started in 2002 and they didn't fix this for the whole span of the 20 years, we could see this in some of the 2010 models because those cars are lasting about, you know, five to 10 years now. So the actual cars that are affected, they are, there are cars built in 2016 that are affected by this because mm -hmm. they use the same head unit software from 2002 all the way up until I think it was like 2000. 16. 16 they, yeah. they never change the software so even if you have like a relative i don't know if people consider a six-year-old car but you could still have a late model car and still be affected by this because honda only thought the the gps unit would last 20 years yeah and with COVID around these cars are lasting a lot longer i mean if you think about it these used cars are going for crazy prices now like 30 percent above what blue book value is listing them for simply because of the whole chip shortage so I guess if you're okay running around with the wrong time, which really doesn't affect a lot of people anyway, I mean, I guess it's going to be okay. Yeah, so the affected models include Accords, Crosstour, the Odyssey minivan, Pilot SUV, and the Ridgeline pickup truck. And if you thought that was bad, that they only accounted for 20 years on this, this GPS unit, so the dealer recommended fix is to unplug the car battery at exactly 1240 p.m. or a.m. and then at exactly 1 p.m. or a.m. you got to plug the battery back in and the clock will at least display the correct time. Since the car thinks it's the year 2002 you'll have to manually change the daylight savings time because the U.S. switched the days that the clocks changed back in 2007 so these head units don't know about that change. 
A permanent fix is coming on August 17, 2022, when the clocks will magically work again with the GPS satellites. I'm not sure what the significance is on that date, but Honda internally made the calculation that waiting for August 17th instead of pitching, patching the affected cars and dealing with angry customers was more cost effective. Yet another reason to live in Arizona. No daylight savings time. <laughs> Been saying this forever, guys. No one listens to me. But it would still switch because it wouldn't know that you're in Arizona. And... No, it does know I'm in Arizona. It's <laughs> GPS, Chris. I got ten. I got ten bucks to say they only extended it another ten years. But if you think about it, even though it knows you're in Arizona, do you think the programmers who only accounted for twenty years worth of weeks would have put in logic that said, "If I'm in Arizona, don't change daylight savings"? Yeah, I do. Yeah, you know. All right. I can't think of any device that doesn't allow me to account that I don't want to do daylight savings time. You've never heard of a Honda head unit. <laughs> <laughs> like my stove and my microwave don't account for daylight savings. I have to manually set those. You know what else doesn't do that? A $10,000 Rolex doesn't account for daylight savings. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. My $300 Apple Watch does. That's right. All right, for our next topic, this one was sent in by Jason C. from California. This is an interesting story, and for context, it happened in Russia. So, buckle up. The headline of the story reads, Russian teens handed prison sentence for plotting to blow up a building in Minecraft, the video game Minecraft. Russian authorities have decided that planning to destroy a virtual property counts as, quote, training for terrorism. Now, we need to double-click into this story to get beyond the clickbaity title. First of all, Russia does not have the freedom of speech and the freedom of the press that we enjoy, to some extent, here in the U.S. Three teenagers in Russia, all aged 14 at the time of the alleged crimes ha happened, they handed out leaflets condemning the Russian State Security Service, commonly known as the FSB, and that was the entity that came after the KGB from the Soviet era. And these teens also supported a political dissident who was an outspoken critic of President Putin. The phones were seized, and there were messages talking about blowing up a replica of the FSB headquarters in Minecraft, and blowing it up in the game was supposed to be retaliation for the persecution of political dissidents. That and videos of the teens throwing Molotov cocktails at a wall were enough to charge the teens with undergoing training for the purpose of carrying out terrorist activities. The teens were sentenced between three and five years for their alleged conspiracy. Now, I don't know if you guys have played Minecraft, but I really want to see it where some teenagers are running around with comically large cubes of TNT with giant labeled TNT on the side stacking it next to a building and then using flint and steel to light the TNT and run as far away as they can in the opposite direction. Come on, give me a break. I, yeah, I, I think this is comical, right? But this is just another way of, for me, this is just a political showdown, right? In virtual land where really there's nothing, there's there's no legality here, this virtual land. So that it's almost if they do this, then it's like, okay, if you think it, then it's the thought police that are going to be coming to your door next and arresting you for having these types of thoughts. But again, I live in the U.S. I live in a glass, a glass, uh, a glass building out here in 
you know, I have my rights to do and say what I want. We have the right to do our podcast. And I, I, I can't necessarily say what, what happens in other countries. I'm surprised that, that Russia would take this stance, period, right? I think there's a little bit of like, uh, it's like the wild, wild west. You do whatever you want out there, but apparently not. And to be fair, like, if I look at like my entire childhood, I, I would have probably been arrested multiple times for doing crazy stuff that would have been perceived as terroristic or something like that. I have no idea. Great yeah, so though. You're, you're half correct, Brian. In Russia, you can get away with almost anything as long as you don't speak up against the state. That's if right. you do speak up against the state, then you get gassed or poisoned or uh, get charged with anarchy or vandalism and thrown in the gulag. But as long as you support the state, they tend to look the other way. We used to do uh, messed up stuff as kids, like teenagers, right? And so we had found out like, uh, you know, Big Brother is listening to all your phone calls. And one of the things that we did is we would go to a friend's house and like, you know, write on a post-it note something and then call him and be like, hey, bro, uh, go to your computer. Well, not even a computer that day. Go to your closet, right? There's a yellow post-it note. Read it to me. He opens it up. It's like, I'm going to kill the president. And we're like, oh, I got you. And then hang up, right? Like just every single, <laughs> like just so many different times, just be screwing with people. Yeah. Well, you guys, you guys remember the movie Minority Report, right? And pre-crime. The pre-crimes, right? So yeah, the, whole, the whole idea is that you haven't even done it yet. It was just a thought. And that even kind of shakes shakes law, you know, down to its essence. Like, really? I just thought about it and you're going to charge me with this? Okay. It's kind of weird. Yeah, that, that movie was definitely ahead of its time. Like, that's a very good ethical question. Just because I thought it, I planned out every step of it. And I was, you know, minutes away from doing it. Does that mean I would have done it? Would have I have had a last minute change of heart? It's an ethical dilemma for sure. Mm-hmm. Now, Brian, when we were discussing this story in, in chat as a topic for the podcast, you said something similar happened to you. Do you want to fill us in on what happened? Yeah, I was thinking, I was like, we should all talk about like stuff that maybe we did as kids that would probably gotten us into a lot of trouble. So Going way, way back in time, I was probably like maybe seven, eight years old, uh, neighbor up the street, old guy, uh, Mr. Johnson, he had the most epic wood shop underneath his house. And we would go up there every single day and just kind of hang out with him, watch him build things. And we're like, we were just, we just thought it was the coolest thing. Then one of my, uh, my friend that was with me all the time, he had a family member that died and, uh, <clears throat> They're, you know, like the will, they were giving something like a TV. And we thought that was uh, pretty rad. And so we were sitting outside the house in the alleyway one day. And we were talking about, man, wouldn't it be cool if the wood shop was ours? And so we came up with this plot to, to murder this old man. <laughs> Again, it sounds terrible. We didn't actually do it. But the, the plot line was, we're going to get like this, uh, you know, 10 gauge wire and, and run it across the... Uh, the alleyway, and when he drives his truck down to go to Jerry's for his cup of coffee in the morning, the wire will cut through the car and cut him in half. Again, completely unrealistic, you know, whatsoever. And so we were planning this, but lo and behold, the uh, the next door neighbor to my house, which is actually my friend's grandma, she heard the entire thing when she was sitting outside in the back patio smoking. So. She go, went ahead and, and notified both of our parents, and Mr. Johnson wasn't our friend anymore. So I ended, I ended up getting in trouble for a crime that I didn't even commit. That wasn't even, you know, 
you know, even possible, period. But it was one of those things, like, as kids, we're just like, man, when he dies, we're going to get his wood shop. Like, we were so excited. So we're just trying to expedite the process in a scenario that would never work. Well, thankfully, they didn't involve law enforcement, but I'm sure you got a talking to from your parents. Oh, yeah, I was grounded and probably got spanking, you know, whatever. It was a good (laughs) character-building moment, but yeah. Uh, you know, actually, now that I think about it more, he drove through the wire and the wires broke. Like, he didn't even knows it. it was like a like a Raptor with a, a speed bump. It was like nothing. Didn't even know. Like, and we're like, oh, man, like, there it goes. So talk about dumb. That was me. Did, did you guys do anything questionable that could have got you thrown in prison? If Never. People? Never. Never. Whatever. Never. No, I don't, yeah, I don't think so either. No, nothing like that. We didn't plan out any murders or any premeditation of that sort nothing that i want to divulge on a podcast (laughs) podcast. (laughs) what's the statue what's the statue of limitations on things anyway Uh, that's what it comes down to you're seven or eight you're good man like yeah 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 unless you've actually murdered somebody i'm sure the statute has passed good let's keep it that way (laughs) what was the that movie as a kid he's like mr wilson like Oh, Dennis the Menace. Yeah, I feel like legitimately like Dennis the Menace back in the day. We were like on people's roofs, jumping from thing to thing. Like we're like, again, it's a miracle that we're alive. Some of the stupid things that we did as kids. Yeah, and yeah, now we on, now we're scared. Part. Now we're scared when our kids get paper cuts, right? And it's like, oh no. <laughs> Maybe you are scared, you little pansy. But I'm like, rub some dirt <laughs> on it, man. Let's go. Yeah, and one part it's being a kid, and one part it's like, oh, this is a sign. This is a sign that your your kid is on the path to becoming a serial killer. <laughs> True, <laughs> but in all fairness, like I, I, anytime we do like a family vacation, I always put not with not intentionally, but I always end up doing something that puts everyone's life at risk. It's this, it's inevitable. Like whether it's a hike, it's in the ocean. I'm like, yeah, we should do this. Next thing you know, we're we're washing up on the shore. Like, that was a wild night. Hey, you only live once. YOLO. <laughs> yeah. All right. For our last topic, and it will be a rotating topic every week. This one was sent in by Michal K from across the pond over in the UK. The story that was submitted to us outlines a new hire's first day from the manager's perspective. When it came time for this new hire to start their in-person job, and this was a IT-type help desk job, the person that came in and showed up for the job looked drastically different than the person they interviewed over Zoom. With the pandemic still going on in full swing in certain parts of the world, interviews are still being conducted online, and the hiring manager suspected it was a different person since aside from looking different than the person who showed up, That person did not know basic tasks which the interview candidate knew about during the interview. This gives rise to a new economy, something we would call interview as a service. The story basically ends with the HR and other teams also being suspicious and they confronted the person and said, are you actually so-and-so? Because you look really different than when we interviewed you. And the person immediately said, I quit, and then walked out the door. I think I would do this for my kids, right? Just interview for them over Zoom and then just have them sh- like walk into the thing. It'd be a little awkward for my girls, right? They'd be like, wait, you were like a six foot two bald white guy. And now you're like this uh, Hispanic uh, princess from out of nowhere. Are you sure this is the right person? 
Well, take aside from that, I mean, if you, you know, some of these kids, they're, they're taking college tests and they're, you know, they're technically they're cheating, right? Because it's all online and, you know, it's taking them a while to take the test. And imagine if someone was sitting next to them helping, helping them or they're helping each other take these tests. That probably wouldn't be any different. So interesting concept of interview as a service. But what kind of position are they applying for that, they, that they're applying for this job? It's like, hey, I'm going to be the new chief marketing officer and you've got some guy interviewing for you. <laughs> <laughs> so kind of laugh so i actually took a and i actually took more than one online certification course like these these it certification courses i took a microsoft one i took an octa one and they were actually pretty strict about the test taking measures like i had to take photos of the room i had to have my webcam on i had to pan like 360 and you weren't allowed to leave the view of the webcam and then you had to install special software on your computer that would monitor what you were doing, make sure you weren't browsing the web and uh, and things like that. So I know that controls exist to prevent that type of cheating. I don't know if high school and colleges are going to go through all those measures and force you to install software and actually scan the room for every every person. But yeah, this this distance learning thing, this distance interviewing thing, has definitely put a new twist on on the integrity of of the process. Yeah, yeah, go back to that, Chris. So my daughter was taking some proctored exam and part of that proctored exam, they made her change settings within her Mac that basically gave up full rights to the machine, gave remote access privileges. And I told her, you can take this, but as soon as you're done, I'm going to rebuild your Mac from scratch because there's no way in hell I want any of those changes that we made resident inside there. So yeah. That's totally OPSEC. Yeah, I, I did my test on a Chromebook. I power washed it before the test. I took the test and then I power washed it after it. So exactly the same thing. If I'm installing yeah. foreign software that I have no control over, yeah. then then yeah, it's, it's getting wiped. It's, I love that, right? I think there needs to, needs to definitely be some type of integrity there. My my buddy from high school, uh, he's like, hey man, let's go grab lunch. I'm like, yeah, let's do this. And he's like, hey, I have a question for you. He's like, the way that we do like mortgage loans and stuff, an email comes in and then you have to click on a link and then you have to go into like their version of Salesforce, uh, put a note in there to claim the opportunity or the lead, right? He's like, so I'm sitting there one day in a meeting, um, like in person and one of the guys that I like, we're the top two guys, right? We kind of go back and forth. Lead comes in during the meeting and, he, and I'm sitting there looking him dead in the eyes. He's doing nothing. And all of a sudden the lead is claimed by him. He's like, what on earth is this guy doing? I'm like, uh, I was like, you know, you have a couple of options here, right? Like you, I, in theory, you probably hire some dude from India to sit there and just monitor your inbox, right? And, yeah, and that'd be right. cheap enough. Or you can use like a browser plugin to find these things and claim the leads. And I said, what do you, and he's like, he's like, I need to be able to do that. I need to be able to prove it out. Was, he's like, cause this is messed up. I was like, okay. So, you, so once we get this to work, he's like, you're going to uh, tell the company, right? And that way you can, you know, figure out he's like no i'm just gonna take all the leads i'm like no man you're just gonna get in trouble too (laughs) (laughs) can't stoop to that level automation man but talk about like an archaic way of like dealing with leads coming in like it should just be distributed mine you know what i mean mine mine exactly it's always a game of cat and mouse right that's a different yeah that, that's a different way of IaaS interview as a service versus infrastructure as a service <laughs> yeah. interview as a service I love it. 
Yeah, in my high school, we had a, a set of twins, actually, that I, I knew them well enough that I could tell them apart. And then one day I'd be sitting in class and I'd look over them like, wait, you're you're not so-and-so. Like, you're their sister. And then she's like, shh. So, yeah, that, that was the old twist, of, I guess, in high school. Twins taking tests for each other. Hmm. Good for them. Well, we continue to get great comments about our dad joke of the week. Dad joke of the week. This week, Glenn is up. So in dealing with the times of everything that's going on right now, I have a great joke about COVID. All right, let's hear it. Problem is, I don't want it spreading around. (laughs) 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 I'm not going to drop any names right now, but oh my God, since you have a COVID-related joke, we have someone that works at our company he got very he got sick and he he has his own like covid test that he's constantly taking because he owns his little own side hustle anyways he's in uh he lives in california he's hanging out in uh, texas and he's over there he's like i don't feel good does the nose swab it comes back and like the test comes back so positive it's like you have twins right like he is 100 <laughs> positive like that that wasn't a thin red line it was dark red like you got it baby so he's like all right well i can either quarantine here or i can drive back so he gets a rental car and as he's plotting his way back home homeboy goes on to dick sporting goods and he's like you know what i'm gonna stop at the, at the grand canyon and i'm gonna go for a hike so he buys like a camelback he gets some shoes and a shirt whatever he drives from um texas at like 100 miles an hour probably who knows he gets to the grand canyon he sleeps in his car because he can't go into a hotel gets about five hours of sleep wakes up at the break of the of dawn he hikes down the grand canyon with COVID, right uh sees nobody because no one's there this time of year and like there's literally snow um he gets to this part he misses the sign where it's like if you're gonna go back you should go back now he's like you know what screw it i'm gonna cross the river and keep going comes back through there he does like a, a 10 or 12 hour hike with covid right gets back up the hill and that's when he starts to see like if you're going to do this hike don't do, don't go beyond this point and expect to do more than than this in one day gets back up there and looks around and is like well guess i should just get back home proceeds to drive another 12 hours to get back to california and calls it a day if that is not the most boss thing i've ever heard i don't know what to tell you that is awesome <laughs> That's, he definitely wins the cool guy of the week award. Yeah. yeah. Must have he been is, asymptomatic, though, right? So he didn't have any symptoms about lung or being sick or anything like that. So kudos. That's awesome. Yeah. He said he only had like a, a little bit of a running nose. But the, the, the funny part was is on Sunday, they were having like a Super Bowl party. And his wife was like, you can't come here. He's like, obviously. He's like, you need to still host it. So he's doing that. And he's seeing pictures online of the, the Super Bowl party that he can't be at. And he <laughs> oh, sees no. other men you know, grilling on his grill. And he's like, I don't know what's worse. Like, you know, a man with my wife or a man with my grill. Like, this is so interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Feels violated. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Awesome. All right, to wrap things up, Skynet is closer than we think. Laundering stolen Bitcoin is not as easy as people thought. Honda cut corners with lazy programming and drivers have to wait until August to be able to use their clocks again. In Soviet Russia, building blows up you. <laughs> and interview as a service is a thing now. That's all I have for this week. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. You can find us all on LinkedIn. Links will be in the description. Follow us on Instagram at Podcast. 
Thank you to all our listeners and subscribers who rate us five stars in the iTunes store and Spotify and left us a review. We appreciate you all spreading the word to help grow the show. The best way to find us is to search for the PEPCAC podcast on your favorite podcast listening app. For my co-host Brian Deach and Glenn Medina, I'm Chris Louie. Thanks for listening. We'll see you all next week. And as always, have a nice day. Dasvidaniya. If you want me to interview you, just uh, 500 bucks a Venmo, baby. I got it. I interview go for you. Interviews for you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> have a good one, everyone. Thanks. Have a nice day.